You are now listening to Cyber Time Bite, hosted by me, Stephen Clark. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, everybody. It's Steven. Once again, we're Cyber Time Bite, episode 78. God, what, what, what a... What a bunch of episodes I've had so far, man. This is a, this is gonna be pretty cool and pretty epic. Um, uh, I already told you all the stuff last time about what's going on. By the by, the time this gets uploaded, my uh, my panels are already gonna be done. Hopefully, it was awesome. So if it was, thank you everyone for coming, and it, that was awesome. Or if it was a real stinker, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> but but uh, today. I'm with someone who uh, does a lot of karate, not karate, but more like self-defense and all that stuff, like in that category, so sort of karate. Um, he, he's, uh, he's, he's pretty cool, he's pretty chill, he makes a lot of YouTube videos. He, he's the only guy that can kick my butt and film a movie at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll make it look good while it's occurring. <laughs> yeah, he'll make me look good. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm here with a uh, core JKD. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> so so you got you got to tell me, man. How did this all? How how where did uh where did this all start for you? Like how did you start? How did core JKD start? Like where did that start from? Oh, Bruce Lee, man. Uh, uh, my oldest brother had um, gone into the military. Uh, I was anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. And he uh, was able to travel around the world. And so I would be uh, the beneficiary of all these magazines that he would bring from, I mean, there's Hong Kong and, uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, even just overseas, uh, Germany and so forth. Uh, There was a lot of the Bruce Lee craze around that time. And, I mean, he was really hitting it big. And so there were these nice glossy magazines back in the day and and it would be bruce lee this bruce lee that i mean so he of course then uh, went out and trained uh, at the filipino kali academy it's called uh, now it's the inasano academy out in california and so he brought that training back to me on the farm and so it was about 11 12 years old uh, i had the uh grappling gloves on that you see in the movies and uh there was a lot of sparring a lot of boxing a lot of drills a lot of kicking tires and uh, that was basically the the main thing that started it all and i knew at that point that i wouldn't be training in anything else even though i went all my life training with and against a lot of other people and when i say against uh everybody growing up if you're male uh tends to want to challenge each other and and work you to the extent of your capabilities. And so all these other friends and uh, and people that I just didn't know but were acquaintances would uh, be training in ninjutsu. You'd have all the different types of karate, the Shotokan. You'd have Okinawan karate. You had, um, you name it. I mean, just it covers the spectrum. And uh, so I got 
a lot of beating on the body and I got a lot of uh, interaction with all of these different people. And then my formal training came uh, later on in uh, Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do Concepts. And that was the actual formal training was under the Dan and Asanto lineage. So anybody who knows Bruce Lee knows Dan and Asanto and that, that pathway. So, and you, I think I remember you told me when we were first initially messaging that you're, you're a farm kid from Wisconsin, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the middle kid of nine. So, yeah, north central Wisconsin, uh, dairy farm. Yeah, we had the, the coldest I was in was uh, 50 below. And we had, uh, I was with the wind chill and there were warnings, you know, from the police and everybody else do not go out and unless it's an absolute emergency and of course i bundled up and i just had to get out <laughs> i wasn't going to sit in the house on a day where you had that type of a weather uh and not experience it so i went out there and, and didn't freeze myself uh you know I bundled for the weather if you grew up in wisconsin you know how to do that and uh, or should and yeah so that was my it was some of my experiences, which I, it's really surprising to find out because moving to Florida, you find a lot of people just haven't even seen snow. So uh, they don't know what that experience is like. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, we had to do that. You know, we're, we're milking cows in 20 below because, you know, you gotta, they gotta be fed, the barn's gotta be cleaned. Um, you gotta get up at four anyway. So, which is a, which is a work habit that uh lasts with me today to this very day so i mean like i mean like you you, don't have to, you i mean like you can you can even still live in live in illinois where i live and you still need to know how to bundle up because it still gets freezing. oh absolutely <laughs> freezing. yeah what are you in the northern part i'm in um or off the water no 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 i'm like uh, how I, i'm like in the suburbs but i'm like i'm like i'm like an hour away from milwaukee Oh okay. Oh man, yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, I've been in, in that territory. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in this. Have you ever heard the? You're from Wisconsin, but you may know this town. Do you know West Chicago? That town. I know of it. Yes. That's where. <laughs> that's where I live. That's, that's oh, okay. Live. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good place to grow up. It really is when you don't have that um, exposure to the extreme changes in weather uh i think there's a certain complacency about um, knowing your own physical body and um you, you get a, an education that lasts with you uh, for a very long time <laughs> if nothing else you know it, it fuels your uh dreams and nightmares and uh also just later peaceful contemplation so so <laughs> So, so you felt that. So, so to make it clear, on that day when it was when they tell you do not go outside unless it's necessary, you thought the first thing you thought was, "Gotta milk the cows." Yeah, <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> that's that was something that's always in the back of the mind. It's like that's got to occur regardless. So that's that's like breathing. So that has to be done regardless. So this was all higher level thinking, where it's like, oh, okay. I get to do this today too, (laughs) (laughs) but I've been in blizzards where, 
I've been at a friend's house. It was late at night, and um, we had to go to his his yeah. farm, which was there's the family had a uh, a regular house, and then they had a farm about a quarter of a mile away. And the blizzard came. Of course, they had to go and get milk for in the morning. And my friend and I said, "Hey, let's go do it." And of course, uh, car got snowed in while we were at the farm. And we had to walk in a blizzard carrying <laughs> a big bucket of milk, yeah. you know, a yeah. container of milk. But, uh, yeah, those those were some great memories, though. It really stays with you. Yeah, but like how <laughs> I write about it later. Mm. How funny is that? It's like, like oh, yeah, uh, I have a farm. I'm going to go to my friend who also has a farm. <laughs> going to go to my farm friend who I already got a farm. <laughs> Well, that's what it is. You know, every every neighbor was uh, a quarter or uh, either across the street, one farm, because you had pretty much 160 acre lots and then you had 200 and some. And so everybody was a quarter of a mile away. So even as children, we did a lot of walking to go to our, our friends' houses and or bike bike riding. And uh, man, you know, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, extremely high tech. We were all small farmers, and and that was <laughs> early seventies and on upward. <laughs> and and then the parents had the had their had their croppers and their things and their farmer tools, and they were driving across the lawn the street when everyone was driving by in their regular cars. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, there were even some um, Mennonites and Amish up by. Um, I want to say Nakusa, but I don't think it's uh, Nakusa. It's um, north of Marshfield up there. And uh, so you'll see them on their horses, uh, uh, horse-driven carriages and such. And it's really a glaring thing to see when you've got a line of cars uh, setting behind this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just trying to get over that hill. So, but yeah, it's, it's you've got a clash of two different things, but it's a very... Well, you know the area. I mean, you know the Midwestern uh, mentality. Uh, it's a... They're good people. They're really... You know, they'll... They will um, back you up and they'll help you out. And I think it comes from the fact that they know at any time they could all be frozen in a blizzard and die if they didn't get help. So <laughs> that's kind of the thing <laughs> that keeps them all together and... You know, they propagate that or push it on their children. And so you get children who have, you know, that good mentality as well. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of, no, I wonder if that if Weird Al came to the Midwest and saw all that, all that Amish stuff. It was like, he, that's where he got the idea for that Amish paradise. You know, I think Weird Al was from uh, the Midwest. He was from the northern, uh, I want to say, even Wisconsin area. Because um, he was on the Dr. Demento show, too. And um, way back in the day, if, if anybody ever remembers that, <laughs> that show. But that's where he started. Yeah, I think he came from that area. Yeah. Which isn't surprising how weird and nerdy he is. So, <laughs> as we all tend to be to some degree or another. Oh, man. So, uh, so let's, talk about, let's talk about your uh, your movie stuff. Did you... Um... Mm -hmm. You start doing that because you know Bruce Lee, and now I know it. So now I want to make my own movies about the same kind of stuff, like you know, like a comedy. Well, you know, 
honestly, the reason that, because I've been shooting uh, short films and things like that since I was about eight years old, and but the uh, impetus for putting something up online was I just got pissed off watching what a lot of people were showing as being this is really valuable, it'll save you in a, a threat to life encounter. And it was stuff that would get them killed. And it was like, oh my God, you know, I'm just going to put up this. I'm not going to call them out because I don't believe in, you know, um, if, if you put out something and it stands on its own, uh, people will find value in that or not. And they'll find whether it applies to their life or not. And that will, of course, increase its value. But the the impetus was like just getting pissed off at what I saw. And I just put up one or two videos. And I had talked to a friend of mine um, a couple of years after that. And he's an, an internet sensation. You know, he's got, uh, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's very well versed in how to... Um, to make money online and how to, he's got his own books and he's got his own, um, tour and so forth. And he asked me the simple question was, you know, uh, how many people have you got as subscribers? And to be honest, I, I would look at it maybe once a month or once every three months. And I looked at it and I was surprised as, oh, oh, there's 300 subscribers. And he says, those are 300 people who sought you out and want more what are you doing not giving more, you know? <laughs> so it was like, that was the thing. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. So then uh, with his help, he spurred me into uh, just doing it because his, his advice, it was Daniel DiPiazza. And uh, he encouraged me in the best ways. You know, this is your voice. It's a good voice. It's unique. It's different than what's out there. Just put it out there. People will find you, and and sure enough, uh, I'm at thirty thousand subscribers now, and you know I get anywhere from one hundred to two hundred thousand views uh, per month uh, just on the YouTube channel, and I've got about a hundred thousand followers on uh, Facebook. So it, it really just expanded and blew up big time. So yeah, that's that's where it started. I was just getting pissed off and showing. Okay, this is. The, the difference between what I do and what what was out there, what is seen by a lot of people, and the traditional mindset of training, the institutionalized route memorization and repeatability and just over and over, was that I understood there was this great discrepancy between training for martial arts versus fighting a live fight against an opponent who really just wants to take your head off or you know in the worst way or you know, even kill you in the emotional state that's going they don't really care versus you know all that clean repetition and pounding on pads there was a huge discrepancy between those two things and even in sparring there was a huge discrepancy between what was being trained and how well somebody was able to use what was trained in sparring so Core JKD developed out of that training the things that make you able to be uh, capable in a fight against a resisting opponent and including a resisting opponent who has intent to harm or kill, which is a huge difference. Now, a lot of my stuff that you'll see of late, I've got a lot of people who are interested in the Wing Chun aspects of training 
and uh, they want to see techniques like that. So as, as a lot of YouTubers know that your audience kind of um, crafts where you're going to go. And so you cater to what they like to see more. So that's why I've been doing a lot more Wing Chun. Also some Silat videos. There's a lot of people who are, are very interested in Silat. So, uh, and then I throw in there occasionally, you know, the attack on the bed scenarios and that sort of thing. And, um, but that's, yeah, that's the whole, that's the whole thing in, uh, in a bundle. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, you know, like every, like pretty much everything and anything you need to know, like to get, to get yourself out of a situation. I mean, like it's because of your videos. I know how to like, if someone was going to choke me just to go for the, go for the, uh, the elbow part in the in the hit as hard as I can. The, the oh, cool. Yeah, I know that. And That's really cool that you that uh, you found that and that it and it works for you in that regard. I mean, like, I yeah. mean, I watched a few of your videos and, she, and they're pretty they're pretty good. I mean, like, they're they're a lot better than the video than our videos I've seen. Like, like, oh, like if if you if like I saw an our video where they were showing people just like just how to do that as well, and they're telling people like. Like oh, uh, just like wiggle it off and like wiggle it off so not to loose. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like it's all these stupid ways that it would not work. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't quite uh, work. When you add, and this is the majority of things that that will determine whether or not a technique is going to be viable, or whether or not someone is teaching a technique as being viable is when you add resistance, when you add a continual intent for the attacker. Like when we go sparring, whether it's with knife or whether it's with, you know, stick, rope or whatever else we happen to have or anything in the environment, which could be, <laughs> they were just grappling in, <laughs> inside <laughs> of uh, bushes. They had rolled down a hill yeah. and into these uh, bushes. And I'm talking about Ohm and Ninja. And, uh, Ohm got tangled up by one of the branches and she couldn't during the fight know whether or not, because they had headgear on and they're working for really pounding on each other, whether or not that was her arm or whether that was a branch and things like that. So these are things that you discover um, because even the environment has input. And if you aren't training with not only the resisting input of somebody who's really pounding on your head, trying to to do that because ninja's goal at that time was only to strike the head repeatedly uh repeatedly and over um at the entire length of that session but um she had to work to defend that she had to work to figure out the environment uh and how it was resisting her uh, progress toward just basically keeping her cover tying up uh working submissions and so forth uh so if you add resistance and you add a, an intent, so if my intent to you is to get you to the ground, mm -hmm. and I don't care if you're swinging punches or doing whatever else, my only intent is to dive in, even just wildly jump on you and just work to do nothing but take you to the ground, and that my goal isn't done until I do that, it changes how you fight. It changes how you defend yourself. Because you may have other goals of just, you just need to get away. You just need to strike them in certain areas of the body and whatever. But it's not like a lot of these videos they show where the person is throwing 
their punch out and then holding it for an hour while this other person does this fantastic display of, and sometimes it's beautiful, you know, that's why people watch it, yeah. of, you know, remarkable uh, physical finesse and, and detail and just stuff that wouldn't come off in your, <laughs> in your wildest <laughs> dream uh, if you added one little thing, just a little bit of resistance and continuing uh, resistance with intent. Uh, like I said, if I just kept doing nothing but trying to get you to the ground, you don't have the time to think about what am I going to do next? What am I? You just have to go with what your body is feeling, what kind of surface is underneath you. Are you against a wall? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Uh, what is this person really going to use to take you down? Is it because <laughs> I'll use the environment. I'll move you to a certain location where your balance is going to be unstable. I, I may use environmental factors. You know, it's, it's a wide open game according to how I set up the training. But mostly, it's simply you just add resistance and continuing resistance. It just doesn't stop. Like with our knife training, if they have an intent to stab me, there are certain things that you do initially to train the technical aspects, the technique part of it, which is just moving from one location to another or moving from one attacking tool to another or position to another. If that is the intent we start off with, then we later when we start working the flow and the sparring aspect of it, they are doing multiple attacks on multiple lines with full intent because the intent has to be to stab me either you know in vital areas or certain vital areas where they have particular goals that they just have to do over and over regardless of what i'm doing mm -hmm. so i have to know how to be able to do that by feel by using periphery uh in the most efficient way possible and survive so that's very different than what you see a, a lot of people doing um, and not everybody uh, likes that type of training <laughs> well, <no. laughs> because it's not cookie cutter one, two, three. Do yeah. this secret technique and step one, two, three, and you're you're done. Now, a lot of my stuff can work that way, uh, but you do have to train it against somebody who is resisting you to make it work. And that's where people kind of leave that out because they know if you add resistance, their technique won't work. Yeah, because I saw because I saw one video where like about like if someone's trying to stab you, like they like there's there's freaking one technique I saw where they're like, oh, they try to stab you uh, when they go. I think it was you. I don't know, but like some but there was a video where like if if they try to stab you, just like move out of the way and then grab their hand and tag it to the side of your body and then just mm -hmm. I, was that you or it was someone else? But someone said that and then and then just you know like do whatever you need to do from that point and all that. Yeah, yeah, there's, it's, it's really, there's, there's that whole um, lack of knowledge that's out there. What you, what you get is you have these people who have been taught from their instructor and their instructor and their instructor and so forth down the line for hundreds or thousands of years. That doesn't change. And it's a particular type of training that they have to do to introduce the industrialization so to speak of the training methodology meaning that they can apply it in smaller spaces with a hundred people doing the same movements at the same time and you know uh, with your own body there are certain things you physically cannot do 
at the moment because you haven't trained it. You don't have the flexibility. And there are some people like Ninja uh, who has uh, really high flexibility ratio. I mean, she'll we can crank and put a lock on her that other people uh, will tap as soon as you start putting it on. But she'll have this stuff go around, and it's just unreal how flexible um, she is. And that's the sort of thing that if you train the uh, cookie cutter, everybody stand in place, do the same thing, you will never discover. You will never discover those things. It's when you get the headgear on and you get the a role or an intent and you have to achieve the particular goal that you'll all of a sudden discover, hey, I'm tapping out, you know, in two seconds where this person who I'm trying to put this same lock on, it isn't applying. So it's not working. So there's you, you there's that huge lack of discovery. And that big part is not only that every human individual has unique qualities that make them uh, a special type of individual to deal with when you add resistance, uh, but also your conditioning. Conditioning is immense. People don't realize that a real fight with emotion and with adrenaline, uh, how long 30 seconds is, <laughs> how long 15 seconds is. And a lot of that is missing in the training and the teaching because they don't do that. Yeah, It's easier to set up a school where everybody moves the same way. Everybody has the same type of pattern to follow because that's easy, like dance steps. It's very easy to see whether somebody's out of the line or not. Mm -hmm. Ours is function. Can you achieve this particular goal with your body against every single one of these types of students in this environment at this time of day wearing the clothing you've got or they're wearing their clothing that sort of thing so there's a lot of factors that come into play that just simply aren't addressed because it's hard yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. uh time consuming you've got to have a lot of patience you have to look at each student as a unique individual who's creating in the moment based on their sensory feed and how they apply that with their emotional state, how that colors their movements, how it uh, inhibits their movements, inhibits their progression from one uh, engagement to the next. And you'll see people freeze up right away and other people who will bumble into something that's successful or not and some people have this emotional um, uh, overhead that they can't even approach the training without butterflies uh, making them want to throw up before they even <laughs> before they even start the training. And these are things that we have to address because in a fight for your life. Uh, the first thing to get on the super speed sneakers and run away is your ego. Uh, the other is all of the stuff that you haven't trained. Uh, that starts coming to the fore. And if you can minimize how much stuff you haven't trained, uh, then you can cover a lot more bases. So we cover things from so many different angles. Uh, but it's, there's very simple concepts that 
allow you to do that. Yeah. And one is you treat each person as an individual, as a creating in the moment sensory feedback system. And then you can emphasize their um, higher qualities that will make them survive a fight better. Yeah, because, yeah, because like, um, people, people need to like, you know, like, like in, in a self-defense situation, they gotta be able to do everything in any situation at any time. So, correct. so like, so like, um, you, you train, so you train someone to help them, uh, do all that, do that exact thing, right? Like that mm -hmm. exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the, the people are shocked sometimes. You can get into an encounter with somebody and you will watch them freeze up if they are slapped in the face because they've never been slapped in the face in their life, perhaps, or never in training, or maybe only as a measure of discipline by their parents or some other elder. And then all of a sudden, if they're in a fight, somebody just open hand slaps them across the face. Bam. You know, like John Stossel and the the wrestler that time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. Oh God! <laughs> but you get slapped across the face. All of a sudden, all of the emotional undercurrent rises to the fore and locks you up. And you'll see people's eyes widen, and they're they will physically it'll be like they're stuck to an electric uh, uh, voltage um, charge, where they just lock up and. And that moment you've lost, you know, up to three seconds, five seconds to where you are dealing with the emotional state rather than what is occurring in the moment, because you've never experienced that. It was one of the things one of my students uh, had told me in the earlier training. She said that uh, she had never been hit before and we had headgear on. It was full protective gear. That's the, the biggest thing is we train safely. It doesn't look that way on some of the videos, but we really do have a high degree of safety. I've already gone through all the hard stuff of doing it wrong. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> That's why yeah. I've got so many injuries and so forth. So I know how to narrow down what we do. Yeah. And uh, so she had that first shot, and it was a shot I gave her. And it was just a, it was a punch to the side of the head, and it wasn't even full power or anything. It was just that... It was open, your fist finds a way to that opening, and she was just stunned right there. And that was one of the first things that she mentioned was so shocking, was that she had never really been hit. And the effect on her body was what was shocking, how she was held immobile for that time. On the outside, you're looking at that, and you see maybe one or two seconds have gone by with some inactivity. You're watching that scenario, you don't really see that all of this turmoil that's going on <laughs> in yeah. that scene uh, that she's feeling isn't really projected to the outside. Now, if you're, you've trained people a long time, you can see that. You can pick up those uh, signals pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, but on the outside, the general audience looks at that and, and they don't realize, wow, there's, there's something that just went on internally with this person that they're dealing with. And you'll get people, you know, adult men, women, doesn't matter, uh, will cry at some point. You know, it's just they'll tear up, you know, and it's really from two different things. One is just sheer exhaustion of the training. Uh, two is getting hit in the sparring. And they have to deal with all of those things that come 
grabbing them from childhood and saying, you didn't deal with me. And now I'm right here and you're going to deal with me here at the most inopportune time possible. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, in man. a sparring session, you know, with the, with your instructor or with a, one of the other students. Yeah. And uh, that's something people don't realize they have to encounter if you don't deal with that. And that's trained also that diffused through repetitive uh, exposure. And it's just like any other thing that you would, you know, if you're afraid of spiders, you you start hanging out with spiders more and you start <laughs> learning everything about them and you start exposing yourself to them, that sort of thing. So this is really the thing that helps you regulate that, but also breathing exercises and conditioning and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting thing watching each individual encounter these things and how they process it and how they push through it. Some people don't, some people stop training uh, because they were embarrassed. They had such a high idea of who they were, and this is where the egotism and ego itself just comes into play. They have this visualized um, idea of how they present to other people, and they maintain that as much as possible. And if something is impinging on that or making it look in their head far worse, uh, they will sometimes not not address that uh, by not challenging it anymore. They leave the training, and other people they come in <laughs> and they're <laughs> yeah. they're they're so easy to or so happy to make fun of themselves that they don't care if they get hit or if they if they're on the bottom of the pile and a, a, a girl with skinny arms is choking them out, uh, you know that sort of thing. They have. Uh, you know, there's massive guys that I would train who have no problem with that. They came in, I'm going to get the, punched in mm -hmm, the face. They came I'm going to get punched in the face. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's, you know, <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off by hand to say something there. <laughs> I'm going to get punched in the face today. Whoa. <laughs> yep, yep. And some people, they, they love it, man. It's 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 the closest thing you will feel to being alive or to deal with some to deal with the immediacy of now uh, more so than anything else because you have this uh, threat to life even if it's just imagined that there's nothing more visceral and more um, future thought removing then <laughs> yeah. you've got no more worries about your taxes or your uh you know where you're going with the in-laws or you know whether your car needs repair or whatever else that all goes out the window with that first fist coming at your head <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't you're going to get many more fists coming at your head and you've got to deal with that yeah i mean like i mean a fist to your face I don't think you're going to survive that. I think you're going to end up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Depends on your training and your instructor and that sort of thing. <laughs> these these uh, women that I train, man, uh, people don't understand what they go through and what they put on each other. And there's, I've got a Patreon channel, which I'm going to be putting out more of our sparring videos for them so that they can see breakdowns on that. It's... Um, it 
a lot of people want that. It's like the Navy SEALs. They, people on the outside will see all the Navy SEAL training, mm-hmm. and you you just rise to that challenge. It's like, man, that would be great to do, you know. But the first time that you're you're having to get up at two or three in the morning and then go into a cold ocean and swim. They're like, yeah, you know, that was better watching it on TV than it was to physically put it on my body. (laughs) (laughs) But, but these women are here, man, they're pounding it out. They're working like crazy. Uh, It's, it's really just uh, inspiriting. And they're, they're my main uh, people that I use for filming because they're more consistently there. And um, I train other people in privates and and all across the world. It's really incredible how much this is blown up. And so the interaction with everybody from all these different channels and helping them in their training is uh, it's overwhelming if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so you try to just do one at a time <laughs> and so, do it that way. <laughs> so um, I, I saw that you did uh, that one of your students does art. And because they do art, yes. you, you've been to a Comic-Con <laughs> before because of it. What is your thoughts on the Comic-Con scene? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I did uh, Comic-Con before that. I used to do – I used to play Dungeons & Dragons all the time. We did that in high school. I mean, we would every – either week or so we'd go over to one of our friends houses and we do four six hours on the weekend uh with our chips and soda and creating uh the dnd scene and and doing that so then we went out to actually see gary gygax down in um i think it was milwaukee uh there's either a comic con or there was i forget what a dragon con i think back then yeah and uh so that was the first thing that i love so I help out occasionally uh, when um, Anna Jano uh, is doing her um, shows. And she's actually got into the, I think it's Megacon um, next year. So she will be there and in Orlando. And it's just, it's so wonderful to watch people being allowed and not only allowed, but encouraged to be completely what they enjoy to not be themselves for that moment but what they they want to live as and the amount of work they put into there is just astounding sometimes and it's just beautiful it's it's beautiful to see that creativity come out and walk around it's it's one thing to see it you know uh, on paper and whatever else but to see people wearing it to see people um, presenting as these characters. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. It's, it's you know, what Core JKD is about. It's about your personal expression and living in that moment and uh, putting it out there for the world because yeah. that inspires other people, even just seeing it, you know, even whether, whether it's just a move, whether it's somebody turning and looking at you a certain way and all of a sudden that was just inspiriting because <laughs> not only are they looking at you like that, but they're wearing the freaking predator outfit and <laughs> they've yeah. got the clicking sounds, you know, on a speaker on their back that is just, you know, blowing your mind because they're embodying that entire concept right there. And the kids who are rushing up to see that and stepping back because they're afraid to, you know, all of these interactions, it's just wonderful. It's beautiful. And then her art, Anna Jano's art, yeah. I'm finally encouraged. She's got some really wicked dark art that 
uh, she hasn't been putting out. And so finally she was doing one. So we'll see how much she actually puts out on the, uh, on these shows, but there's stuff that's just, man, I tell you, you get in a totally different place seeing this stuff. So finally she's starting to do that. But yeah, I love that scene. If I could live at these places, it'd be great. You know, <laughs> do you, do you, do just to see that it's, it's, it's an explosion of creativity. Yeah. You have, and it's an accepted, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what disability or infirmity or anything else. You are accepted there. And it's not about you anymore. It's about your expression. And that's so cool. But do you, but when you're there, though, and when you're like run that booth or when you're just there in general, do you get mm-hmm. a kick when like the, the people who are cosplaying from like fighting games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> check in all that, coming up to you and be like, fight me, man. <laughs> no, they haven't, because I keep a pretty low profile outside of training, believe it or not. Uh, you know, I look different, you know, I wear different clothes, different hat and things like that. And and uh, generally people don't notice me uh, quite to that degree. Uh, there's a few, but uh, yeah, they don't they don't generally challenge you. They if anything, they'll ask, you know, for information and uh, maybe tell me about a problem they're having and training and things like that and see what I can come up with. But for the most part, I'm, I'm very unassuming. And, uh, and I just, I'm an observer. And I absolutely just enjoy that part too, because that fuels my own creativity in the writing and so forth. Yeah, because that, that, I was going to say, that'd be funny if like, if like someone from like Mortal Kombat, like Scorpion or Sub-Zero came up to you and be like, hey man, <laughs> I'm ready to fight, man. <laughs> Come on, if they're wearing if they're wearing that costume and I'm not wearing a costume, man, I gotta I gotta fall down and die. You know, I've gotta I've gotta have a fatality because I gotta play the part, oh, <laughs> and man. I have no problem doing that. <laughs> oh, that would be that'd be funny. <laughs> oh, so, um, so who are so the people um, in your videos? The the main two people in your videos uh, is the mm-hmm. who? Do they have nicknames or do you have a nickname too? Is there nicknames? In yeah, your- I'm a ninja. My nickname is Ming, and um, most people know me as Ming. I have the Ming Effects channel, and we also uh, I create the videos and I show how we do the short films as well, and. Uh, Om and Ninja. Om is Anna Jano, and Ninja remains to be just Ninja. So, uh, and I gave her, uh, I gave each one of them their nicknames. Om because <laughs> one of her first lines of um, how do we say response is resistance. So she is, uh, as in the electronic part, the uh, resistor. She is measured in ohms, and. Um, <clears throat> Then Ninja, of course, uh, had this quality of literally just standing, all of a sudden being there behind you. (laughs) And it was, talk about somebody who was unassuming. Uh, So that's how she got her nickname, because it was just, I'd be turning around and bam, she's like right there. I was like, geez, you know, and I'm fairly aware of my surroundings. Uh, But that that was one of the things that stuck. So, <laughs> if she, if but she, yeah, we've got Philip, you know, Rolling Thunder. We've got uh, a few other ones out there uh, who really just their name embodies them. So Josh out there who's doing uh, rapping music. We've got Air, um, one of my group leaders. He should be up around here for Thanksgiving. So we'll do some training with him. 
<clears throat> he's uh, he as Brian um, Gibson, and he's got he's an artist. <laughs> this is a guy that does like these mile-long murals and these entire buildings, and he paints all these intricate figures, and and it's really it's just phenomenal. So um, Brian is just you know. Brian. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, certain ones, Ninja and Ohm, you know, Rolling Thunder RT. Uh, some people, uh, there is nothing but that nickname that will embody them best. So, so the, do you know that video I was telling you about, the one that I was learning about, uh, the one where you're showing like how to get out of a chokehold and that thing that I saw you <laughs> were, it, is the is the is the the female in that video the one who does the art? Uh, is I say that again? Is she the one? Oh, that, uh, yeah. The so the one who's got the red hair, shorter red hair. Yeah, she's uh, the art. Yeah, that's Anna Jano. Yeah, she's uh, she's the artiste, <laughs> and really doing that as a full time thing. Because in, cause yeah. in that video, um, when when he when uh, who was who's the guy in that video? That was the ninja guy, right? That you were talking about. Well, ninja is uh, female. Is is the the other woman that's in there? Thinner, dark-haired, long hair. Yeah, yeah. he kind of looks German. <laughs> oh no, that's that one is uh, Marco. You're talking about that th that video, yeah? That's Marco, Marco Hildebrand in Germany. He's uh, our core JKD representative out there. Uh, he has a core JKD school, so if you want to learn core JKD uh, in person, including the weapons and so forth, uh, Marco Hildebrand. Uh, he is corejkd.de. He's the uh, he's a uh, he's a wicked guy. He's talk about another guy who's unassuming, <laughs> and just a nicest guy. That's the other thing, but very capable, and you wouldn't know it. And I mean, physically, he looks somewhat impressive. Uh, he's got you know the muscles and everything else, but his character, his personality is just just a nice, nice guy. And uh, but he could put all sorts of hurt on you. <laughs> no, because because when I was watching, no, when I was watching the video, when he put the chokehold mm -hmm. on her, he is like in his face. It looked like some kind of like the perfect album cover for like one of those like like one of those like songs that's like right into my life. You know I, mean? <laughs> I was just like, no, it looked like it looked like a, like an album cover for some soothing love song. It's just like. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do a little uh, parody of that. <laughs> yeah, when he, like, I would have never imagined with someone being in the chokehold, but okay. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to put a choke on too, man. <laughs> have, have, you, have you guys ever sparred before? Um, the Chester skills on each other, just you know, just. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I had to, in order to certify him and make him. Uh, worthy of carrying on as a representative out there, I put him through hell. Uh, he, he, uh, I mean, the the massive conditioning that we normally do here, a lot of people aren't used to. So uh, we went over there and we trained eight days straight and conditioning uh, drills day after day. Uh, it was to the point, and, and that's really something to say about him is, there was no complaint. I, I, none of the Germans, <laughs> not a single one of them complained. They did the work. They did it to the 
best of their ability. I mean, they worked until they couldn't move and then they did it again. And it's, it was really inspiriting to see that. And so I put him through tremendous, uh, heavy training, conditioning, uh, technique training, uh, and tested him. He had certain, uh, things that he had to test in, in grappling, the boxing, the kicking, the weapons, uh, the whole gamut in that time. And we've been over there a couple of times, uh, and each time uh, immersive training with him is, his qualifications, uh, are impeccable. They're because of his personality and his strength of character and his doing it until it gets done, regardless of how he's feeling. We, we had grappling sessions where I know he tore something and he kept going and it was like, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. And, <laughs> and he, and you know, looking back on it, cause we've got the videos, <clears throat> he was really hurting. I mean, he had really torn something and it took, uh, a long time to heal, but he wouldn't stop. And because, and it wasn't just an ego thing. It wasn't that uh, he just wanted to show what he could do. It was that he wanted to learn. And he knew that if he was out, he wasn't going to learn uh, physically. He wasn't going to be in it to know it on his body. And that's something that's, it's a unique, unique person to be able to do that. And I'm honored to have him as the uh, representative for Gore JKD in, in Germany and Europe. So, yeah, it's, he, he went through the test of fire, definitely. <laughs> people don't realize. <laughs> the people that were around him, his students and so forth, and, and I had uh, uh, Anna Jano out with me. Uh, they saw what he went through, and, and they all have deepest respect for him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like... It, if you're into wrestling, it's kind of like Foley, where he freaking got thrown off the hell in the cell, got smashed yeah. to the back, went up to the back to the top of the cell, got through the yep. cell, and went for all that crap. <laughs> <clears throat> well, here's the thing that people don't also realize. They say, you know, wrestling's fake, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you look at the training these wrestlers go through, it's unreal. I mean, they to physically pick up somebody over and over again and body slam them, you're not only doing that, but you're also lifting your own body weight. You're lifting part of your own body. And if you have to go from the ground up to standing to pick them up and lift them, even if they bounce up just a little bit, you know, you're picking 200 pounds, 300 pounds over your shoulder, sometimes holding it and then body slamming it. And if you do this in training, because this is what we have to do, uh, we do the very similar type training because uh, Eric Paulson is – one of the people that I've also uh, trained with, which is uh, combat submission wrestling, and he's the shoot fighting champion of the world uh, two times. That was in the past. First one to take it from the, the Japanese back then. So pretty cool. But it's the same type of training. So you get into that hardcore wrestling training. These are athletes. I don't care what anybody says. These people don't go into that, that wrestling thing. You're looking at athletes out there performing. And uh, and stuff that would make other people throw up and not <laughs> participate. And not only that, but they're working on a level of you got to go from city to city to city. I mean, you're doing this hundreds of times a year and just that alone. And then they've got to perform at peak efficiency. I mean, you see all the injuries these guys have later on. 
It's not because they're sitting on a couch or because they're just acting. They're physically uh, having to toss people around. And, uh, <laughs> man, if you've done any type of work, any type of wrestling work, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, they get huge respect, huge respect. So, so, um, how, so what, so two questions. Have, um, have you trained anyone who's on the WWE roster right now or into how do you scale your levels of training from like beginner to like expert? Um, so I didn't catch that first part. I'm sorry. The, the thing blinked out a little. Uh, who's, um, is there, no, I was saying like, who, is there anyone on the, on the WWE roster that you trained that who's, who's working on TV right now? And two, how do you train your, uh, how do you scale your levels? Like how, like, do you go like black belt to white belt or do you just have like, like levels of like beginner and expert? Ah, okay. Yeah. There's nobody out there that I've, I've trained in the WWE or that type of uh, scenario. I did train, uh, I think it was the Malinsky brothers. Um, I trained with them. Um, we, they, they came to the school and, uh, one of my, I think that was the name. Uh, and I could be completely wrong, and, and I stand by that. Um, these guys were just massive in front of you, you know, working. And then here I am working my Wing Chun and JKD, and uh, t we're all learning from each other. It's pretty pretty wicked. Um, I do have people who are in different parts of the world who are in law enforcement who are heavily using uh, what I teach. And uh, some of them are group leaders uh, who have extensive uh, military training. And I also have groups of people in the military, which is pretty cool because they will um, send me information, uh, texts and emails about how they've worked, what I had in this video. And uh, they tell me their responses. And they tell me what uh, worked well and how they are all employing it and how they're loving watching the videos and how... A lot of officers are sitting in their cars watching the videos uh, during their time off. Uh, it's really pretty wicked how uh, the reach of this. It's just, like I said, sometimes overwhelming when you, when you hear from all of the different sources as to what they're actually uh, watching and learning uh, from the Core JKD channel. Um, as far as the training that I have for the individuals when they come to train with me, I have a specific uh, curriculum requirements that if they want to test, uh, there are specific requirements. They have to, it depends on the level and so forth. Uh, each level is a requirement of function. So you have to actually be able to perform uh, something in two different ways. One, if it's, if you're going to be an instructor you have to be able to communicate uh, the concepts, the techniques a certain way. And these are foundational techniques. It's not extremely difficult to learn. Um, but it's done in a holistic manner where they're all um, they're threaded with each other. Uh, they support each other. So you have base ones at the bottom that then support the other ones. And once you get it, how the training is done, it becomes something that a light that goes on and says, oh, you know, because that's where you'll see people actually will have that that moment of clarity yeah. because they've been trained, like I said, institutionalized for how long. And then all of a sudden this is a very creative process. So I will give them requirements 
and I will say you have to have, you know, uh, this person is going to come at you with resistance and their goal is unique to them. The next person after that one minute round will immediately come in and you'll have to do another minute round with this person who has a different goal and this person who has a different goal. Your goal the entire time may be just to have minimum of 85% protection from all of the shots to your head, say, or uh, defense on any takedown or so forth. I'll, I'll have certain requirements that I will have that is somewhat tuned to how they are exhibiting their current state. So if they, if they have um, timing down, they have their boxing flows really beautiful and just without thinking, I won't necessarily have to require a lot of the boxing work. They may have to pull it off under resistance, absolutely. Yeah. But I will then go to where are they weaker? What do we need to bring up and test? And then during that, uh, they have to accomplish that goal, whatever it happens to be. And it's against one, two, three, four, five opponents successively, sometimes two minutes each, three minutes each, five minutes each. And that's exhausting. And it really depends on the specific uh, individual, what they're going for. Uh, I have higher requirements for those people who are my instructors. Uh, they have to know how, like I said, how to reach the students. And that means they have to listen. They have to have observational skills that are at high levels. They have to be able to bridge different um, approaches to uh, uh, teaching something. Meaning if I say, if you move your arm here like this, and you actually work with your heel raised on the opposite side and you push off with that calf, you will have more extension on your jab, say, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Now, in their end, it's a matter of, I can say it like that, but some people, it's, they might say, well, you got to go like an arrow shooting from the ground into you know, the target. So you've got to be able to, because some people will respond to that second description better than the first one, and they'll make a connection because of how they learn things. So as an instructor, you have to understand how somebody is learning something best, and then try to approach it from several different ways. So that means you have to be creative. I demand creativity from my uh, instructors and students, and they have to figure out the best way to communicate that because it's not about the instructor. It's about how can this person best make use of the training so that when they are alone having to fight for their life against resistance, they can immediately call upon it without thinking. So those are some of the requirements. So there's no uh, belt. It is a lot of time on the job. It is up to the individual because some individuals will progress very quickly. Some are natural grapplers. So the grappling goes by really quick. Some are natural boxers, and they're, but they're great at long-range boxing, but not the in-close boxing, so close-range clinch. So you have to um, keep those skills high where they are high and bring up all the other ones. Mm -hmm. And there are certain requirements, as I said, for each level uh, that build upon the others. So once you've got something down, like all of a sudden your base and cover is right there. Those are the two main things. That means you can, with high uh, probability, 
either deflect, evade, or absorb uh, punishing shots without uh, damage to yourself or without being winded or without being, you know, you're having your bell rocked. Once those things are done, the other training gets easier because the base is there. You're not even thinking about that anymore. And that's where a lot of people don't don't get to that point in other types of training because they're all technique training. You learn this technique and that technique and everything else, but they can't put it together because they don't have that foundation that is supporting all of your techniques. And so I train the techniques, but only as an afterthought to the foundational elements. And then the progression for testing is how well can you function, meaning at certain levels you have you should have um, these base skills already there, non-thinking. And are they? We'll test that. <clears throat> the next level is now you've got a, a bit more on your plate because your first level skills are already there, not even thinking about them. Yeah. Now you've got to do this. So maybe now you're not only deflecting the knife attacks coming in, but you're also working to uh, knock them out or disable them, disable the arm or disable them or put them down in a submission uh, with control. So those are how I build those progressions. And then later on, it may be now you got to do it against two people or now you got to do it while your one arm is tied behind your back, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I mean, like, um, it, do you? I, I saw videos where you guys are where you guys are like doing videos like out of the studio and doing it like in a park where people are just jogging in the background. You know, it's just like, yep. do you do that? Do you do that for um, for reasons of like we're trying to get our name out there, or are you doing it because it's more of a natural environment to do it in something like that? Well, it's a natural environment. A lot of attacks occur in all these different environments. We'll train in houses, just, you know, in bedrooms. We'll train on couches. We'll train in doorways. We'll train on stairs. We'll train in parks a lot because Florida, you get nice weather and you're outside. But a lot of people who are joggers, a lot of people who are doing outside activities are are attacked outside. And what better way to uh, work self-defense training than to have, you know, 80% humidity filling your lungs and the sun beating down on you at a certain angle and you having to fight and a resisting attacker uh, on sandy soil or on a hill with leaves or, you know, on a beach where you can't move very quickly because the sand uh, flies out from under you as you move. Yeah. So, or, you know, they can use that against you. So a lot of our training in parks is we get to do a lot more hard stuff and we also get to work on concrete on sand on leaves under brush <laughs> we actually do attacks in full forested brush areas uh they, we will do under tables <laughs> over tables <laughs> That's oh, stuff man. that we can do, and this this stuff is f- built fairly strong, you know, because they have to support all these hundreds of people coming to the park all the time. So we have built-in equipment that we can use, including, you know, uh, cement pillars that we've got to go around, uh, that sort of thing, and distractions. And sometimes the distractions of the jogger behind, if somebody's not paying attention, 
and <laughs> they're looking over there when you have the threat in front of you yeah. or right off your shoulder and you're not paying attention to that. Well, guess what's coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that no, that's crazy. I mean, like, I mean, you, you kind of missed an opportunity because you could have you could have started your school in like in like non Wisconsin or Illinois, but like in a in a middle part of the Midwest where it's always mm-hmm. where like five miles away is really warm, but it's really cold when you go this way. You could have you could you could have the best of both worlds. You could have done everything like in winter conditions and then everything in summer conditions. Oh. Totally, totally, absolutely. Yeah, the, I, I do plan on having uh, some sort of application up there in uh, in that cold weather because the, the some of the most fun that I've had, you know, growing up was you know fighting with my friends and 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 sparring with them with full winter coats on and you're doing hip throws in the snow and you know, you're working face washes that you have to get out, you know, because somebody's trying to hold you down hard, you know, or two people or three and you got to fight out of that and that sort of thing. So, uh, that is a wonderful experience because we'll do stuff in pools as well. So we've done our core JKD training in water in a pool and where people are trying to pull you down and they're trying to work chokes or they're trying to, you know, um, do a submission in water. So this is also part of our training. And you don't get a lot of pool training up there in, you know, Wisconsin. But <laughs> but definitely snow, definitely leaves. Uh, absolutely. We would love to come up there and, and do some uh, teaching. So... And it's not a problem. (laughs) That's on the plate. That's on the plate. (laughs) For 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 a joke, it'd be funny for a joke video of you if you're if you're willing to make like a like a like a very comedy video. Uh, You should do like a video where it's just like, do you know all that stuff? You're like upstairs, downstairs, over tables, on tables, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For for a video just for funds, you should just make one like how to defend yourself in a in just in just a playful slap fight over tables, under tables, upstairs. We actually have we actually have that in the works. We're actually going to be doing something like that. So (laughs) without saying too much, yeah, it's it's going to be entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) But also realistic too. So we we like to also make sure that realism is in there. If you look at some of our short films, uh, you'll see. Just go to the YouTube dot com slash uh, core jkd and look up our playlist look for short films you'll see them doing exactly that they go through different environments uh but we also have some other cool things coming up including some our second episode of our our maiden short film that we're working on yeah what, what's uh what yeah tell um tell us about your um uh, i guess this this could be the last thing unless it, in an after day you can ask me something if you want um mm-hmm. What 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 are your upcoming projects and what, what are you working on now and what's upcoming that you can talk about? Well, I've got uh, several things. <clears throat> I'm a novelist, so <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Right. So I'm a novelist, and I have about fourteen novels done. <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a drink here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of novels. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I've got more in the works, and I've got about 12, 14 short stories done as well. Uh, I have a couple of them out there. They're under Eric Kane, uh, Eric E. Kane. And I'm going to be putting the rest of them out. So I've been waiting for different venues to put them out. Uh, they're going to go up on Kindle and uh, Apple Books. Uh, I'm going to try and get the majority of them out, or I'm going to try and get at least five of the main ones out 
uh, in that time and, um, in about a month. And so that's one of the things I'm working cause I've got, <laughs> that's my editor is like, when are you going to put these out? When are they? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'll get that done. So I have to allot the time for that. And, um, so I'm heeding her call and getting this out. Plus the people who have read it, read the novels and they say this need to get out. So those are coming. But I can, the other is, mm-hmm, go ahead. You can, you can try, you should get a booth at Comic-Con and just sell your, and just put your books out at Comic-Con. People love that. Uh, there are some uh, applications because I do have a vampire series, which is uh, pretty wicked. <laughs> yeah, go for it's it, not man. like your your normal vampires with the glowing and uh, being out in sunlight type stuff. This is these are these are nasty creatures that will. <laughs> they're creatures no, Nosferatu, man. They're a, they're the walking undead. Um, no, none of that but I, I I do them well. <laughs> none of that sparkling stuff, right? None of that sparkling Twilight crap. None of that sparkling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Oh my god! It's like uh, I just shake my head when when that came out. <laughs> oh man, not that. <laughs> yeah, but it's not it's not Stephen King's Salem Lot, you know, version either. So <laughs> that's closer to what uh, you're going to get uh, with mine. Uh, but that does take place in a small town in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and a few other places. Um, so I bring home some of the the home elements to that. But I also have a lot of speculative fiction, so uh, some really odd things happening to uh, normal people and how they deal with it. It's all character-driven. So um, I've also got a children's book. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got a horror a horror book uh, in addition to the vampire ones uh, called Five, which is really a, a slightly disturbing and scary book. Um but uh, I've got a few of these that I'm also going to be turning into uh, scripts. Uh, actually, one started out as a script, then I made it into a novella, and then finally a novel. And uh, I'll be turning it back into a script. And we'll be shooting that at some point in the future. And um, But uh, yeah, those are... It's, it's more than you think. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's an awful lot... Uh, and people are asking me who know me um, and know me briefly. They say, how do you do all this stuff? And it's like, yeah, I don't do much else. I don't go to parties. I don't. <laughs> it's I, I, like the other day I was like, oh, there's wildfires going on in California. And I was like, <laughs> I was almost two weeks late on that news. You know, I don't I don't watch TV. I don't uh, do much else. I don't have time for it. I'm creating so much content and uh so the novels are a part that i've been neglecting getting out because uh, they're written and um i actually need to actually present them so those will be coming um and then uh the short films we are working on our second short film uh, which has an extended story there's a very long story to it it's it's got some really wicked cool stuff. I will actually be in either the second or third episode, uh, believe it or not, as a hard-ass instructor. Yeah. Uh, hard to believe. But, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stretch for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to work it. Um, <laughs> so we've got that. We've got a couple other projects in that line. And then uh, there's a lot of videos for um, my uh, members, CJKD members, who are my instructors. Uh, there's a lot more detailed training videos that uh, I'm working on so that they have a, a template to insert their creativity. Um, it's a lot of videos. We've been shooting, I shoot maybe um, 50 to 100 gigabytes a week and uh, of video. And then it's just the editing and um, that's, I've got a backlog, uh, quite a quite a few. And um, so that's all coming. Uh, so the instructors will get more detailed information. I also have a lot of behind the scenes stuff because apparently people like to see us, you know, what do we do in our normal daytime? Uh, like, oh, when I was showing uh, Anna Jano her uh, artwork and things like that, people want to see more of that. And it's like, okay, we can do that. So a lot of the things that people ask of is really where we're going to head. So what they keep wanting to see, we'll put out there. Uh, but like I said, our independent projects, the short films, uh, I've got my own take on that. And we and everybody who's in it are all my students. So you'll see, in fact, all the short films I've done, you'll see every single person that's in there is a student of mine. Uh, so that's kind of cool because some of these people are really good. Uh, Manny, when you look at Manny in our last one, everybody's like, who is that guy? Because he's like, I was like, <laughs> he surprised the hell out of me because it was like, damn, I said, you're good, man. <laughs> and he's and he's somebody who who is unassuming, but he's also an artist on, on the other end. But man, he gets into these roles and he's, he is that person. And it's fantastic to see. It's like, Wow, we got to have some cool stuff. We're going to have Josh. Uh, Josh is a rapper uh, who's doing the scene in St. Pete and everywhere else. He's got uh, videos online. Actually, really, uh, he's a talent. Uh, and we're going to have him in the short film. He's already uh, said that he would participate in a role that is going to be completely unlike you would think he would be in. <laughs> so it's going to be some entertaining stuff. He's not doing a role where he's gonna where he's gonna lay down that like 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 it'd be like an action scene like like there's a guy coming in he's looking all tough and he's and he's ready to fight and then you come in with your serious face and you're coming in ready to fight and then and then <laughs> and, yes. and, and it's like oh snap here we go <laughs> and the very sound of his rhythm will throw them off and cause pain and injure them in some way. <laughs> He'll just snap, you know, he'll do some pop and locking and all of a sudden, bam, they break out into some bam, sort right of injury. Right to the face. <laughs> but people would expect that, so I can't do that. You know, as Hitchcock said, we got to avoid the cliche. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so is there anything you want to ask me before we wrap this yeah, up? Yeah, how, how long are you, um, when did you start doing this? <laughs> oh man! And why? Why did you start doing this? Let's put it that way. Well, why I started doing this? Podcast. <laughs> but well, it's because uh, it's actually funny. This isn't my first podcast. I um, I did a podcast before this called Adventure Time Guys. We ended that just recently because we um, because we because we're moving on to a new project. I won't start until March. 
and and so and so I've been doing this for a, for a year already, and it will be a second year in June. So you got a lot of episodes, and I see that. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I try to keep up with it as much as I can. Um, I, how I start, how it all started though, is that I went, is that I didn't know what I was going to be after I left high school, and so I was like, I was like, damn, what am I going to be? And so and so um, and so when I was in the car one time. Uh, I was listening to the radio, and a, an ad came up for a broadcasting school called Illinois Center for Broadcasting. It's called now Illinois Media School now. And um, I was like, oh, crap, I should go there. That sounds cool. And so I went there, and I did that. And I learned how to use everything by just touching it, by just, like, you know, touching the board, doing the dials, oh, yeah. touching the camera, touching – you know, I did everything by just doing it, not by on a piece of paper. And yep. and so and so because of that – I uh, I did a radio show too, and that was kind of, eh. but um, but that's how it got me into podcasting because I was like I got the experience. How will I just do it? And so, and so that's how I started Adventure Time Guys with my other friend, and then I moved on to do this because I really wanted to do something like this, you know, one-on-one interviewing with people that mm-hmm. I, I know from the past and who I figured out on YouTube and whatever. Yeah, yeah, and you listen well. That's a, it's a, um, you're non-interruptus, you're, which is great because you allow people to, uh, be themselves. And that's why I felt free, you know, talking here and probably talked more than, than I should have. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the fact that you allowed it was really cool. So that's, that's something that I've had to do and, and put out for the instructors as well is yours is to sit back and listen. You know, people will tell you everything that you need to know about them. Um, on the other end, so you're, you're, uh, have you been outside of, uh, the Midwest for any length of time? I've been to, uh, is Ohio considered the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, I think it still applies. <laughs> well, no, I've been to, no, I've been to Ohio, I've been to Wisconsin, I've been to, uh, I, I've been to Florida, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep, yep. I, uh. I never, I never been out. I never, I never been out west. I never been too far out east, and uh, I, I, and I haven't been to the south in forever. So, so I, so, hmm. so I, I, so in the recent years, only Midwest area really. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about uh, traveling for the, the comic cons and those sort of things? Now. If I was invite now, if I want if now if I really want to go to a Comic Con out of my own state, well, I mean I'm going to I'm going to Wisconsin in the, in the next week to go to a Comic Con. But like if I were mm-hmm. to, but if I were to go to to a Comic Con like out of the Midwest, like somewhere out west or somewhere out east or somewhere down south, I would um I would honestly have to bring like a friend a couple of friends with me to chip into the hotel room and to also sure. and also just to come with me. And so I mean. So like, if I have the money and if I have the resources and I have and everything just falls into place, then I wouldn't mind doing it. But did, did you find uh, a lot of people, uh, your friends and so forth, um, pretty much stay in the same area too? That, or do you have friends who like went all over the world and things like that? Because I know a lot of my family. Uh, still is in Wisconsin. We have about half of them down here in Florida, but half aren't in Wisconsin yet. And we have, you know, hundreds in the in the cousins and so forth. But they're mostly up in the Midwest and all that. 
do you find a lot of your personal friends and so forth uh, retain the Chicago air? Well, well, I mean, a lot, a lot of my friends, um, a lot of my friends I hang out with on a daily basis. I don't really go conning, conning with, live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also got friends who live all over who also go to cons and all that stuff. But they, but they're not close enough to me that they can just come to me and just go with me there. But, um, mm-hmm. but like I do have, I do have friends who go to cons who live in the general vicinity of this area. I've, I've probably had to talk him in the go to somewhere farther away, like the south or the west coast or the east coast. I probably had to talk him into that, like really hard to get the time and the money to do that with me. Sure. But, um, but I would, but if I, but if I can get it done and get possible and get all my friends to come with me, I can, I'll do, I'll do with them. I mean, like, I won't do it on my own. I, I honestly won't do it on my own because I'm too, I'm not saying I'm afraid, but I'm saying I just won't do it on my own because I would, it'd be a whole new area that I'd never been to before. And so I would say, Oh, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> now, how about the, because the actual friends who, because like their careers, like you have, uh, you have the podcast or are there anybody else that you have that, <clears throat> that are close personal friends who are in the same type of field, or are they just like all over the place in all these different fields? Oh yeah, I got yeah, I got uh, I got two friends who are in the podcast. I, I got two friends who are in the podcast field. Uh, or I actually got a few. Uh, some are not like close friends. I like I know like I met them and I know them and they're pretty cool and we get along. But um, but the two people that I know that are like friend close friends of mine uh. They they do a podcast called the Wanna Be Boo Podcast. It's an anime podcast, and one of them lives here, and another one lives down south, and I think Alabama, and um, and uh, they're they're really they're really cool, and they do a podcast. Um, another person I know who does a podcast who is really cool is uh, Mike Freeland, and he lives in in uh, Ohio in Cincinnati. And he, he's pretty cool. He does a wrestling podcast. Ah, yep. Um, and another guy I know lives in in England who used to live in Chicago. He does. Mm. He used to do a podcast with uh, Lanny Papa, who was the brother of, of Randy Savage. Oh, wow. And he did mm. that for a while. Um, let's see what else. Where would you like your uh, podcasting to go? Or is this... Is it the start of something else? I I really would like the pod. I mean, I I really would like the podcast to be like. I I don't want to brag and say Joe Rogan levels, but I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But um, but I would really I, anything's possible, man. Anything's possible. Don't <laughs> Joe Rogan didn't even know he was going to be like where Joe Rogan is. <laughs> but no, I mean, like I I would love the podcast just to get just to get off the ground and. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not one, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the fans, not really, I mean, like, if I, if I earn a little bit of money off of it, that'd be cool, but it, it wouldn't be mm-hmm. about the money, it would be about, like, everything else, you know, I mean, the fans, the guests, everything, you know? Sure, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you gotta have a love for, for interacting with people, otherwise that's gonna come across, too. <laughs> the people see that you're just, you know, struggling to get through talking to people, then, they're going to say, well, maybe you should do something else. <laughs> but uh, you seem comfortable in this mode. So, yeah, absolutely. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, because I you know, because I would, love, I would love to do this for money, but where, where I would like it to go is it's just like, you know, 
just a just to do as a career. That's really where I want to mm-hmm. go. Just so I can mm-hmm. quit my day job and just do this. Well, the thing is, the is to make it a day job. Make it your make it your continual work. You've got to treat it like a job, or it won't become one. And that's that's something that I've always you know held to myself. It's the same thing with these videos, and the same thing with the writing. Uh, you know, I didn't get fourteen novels out. Uh, done because I said, oh, I'm going to just do it whenever it's going to be. It's like, nope, this is my day job today. I will be doing this, you know, from, you know, this, you know, two o'clock to four o'clock. This is the, this is the writing job. And then uh, this time here from this period to this period is the video uh, job from this period to this period is the answering the email job so each one is created as a job and you invest yourself uh that much so in here you've got 70 some almost 80 videos or 80 videos 80 podcasts that's time on the job that you don't just instantly transfer to somebody you've got to live it you've got to do it so right now you're already navigating talking to people uh over and over again and honing your own uh, presence you're refining your expression that's what it's about people don't realize you'll get to some point where all of a sudden you do have a large audience and you do have a bit more fame and you do have more presence out there and you'll look at people will look at you and say hmm you know i wish i could be like that and they don't see that you had you know, maybe a thousand episodes already and <laughs> that you had that under your belt uh, and that's the thing. And you know the work it is. Uh, work doesn't stop right here. What is your process? What what? How do you do this afterwards? I mean, what do you do once you get the recording? Oh, like after I'm done recording, I'm done recording. Mm-hmm. I um, I usually uh, after I get done recording, I save it in a folder that's literally called podcast on my computer, mm-hmm. and um. And usually, like, week before, week before it's supposed to come out, or week of, day before uh, it's supposed to come out, I, that's when I do the editing, and I edit, and I, and if it doesn't, and, like, if I, and if I even have to edit, then I edit, but if I don't have to edit because it's mm-hmm. that clean and that good, then I just straight up upload it. And so, and so, like, um... That that's how that really works. I mean, like for example, our episode. I'm probably not gonna. I'm probably not gonna have to edit this because it's so clean. It was so. It was mm. so flowing. And it was so good that like, why would I have to edit? It? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're probably gonna cut out all those uh, swear words and those uh, cuss words. And when I was talking about your mother and all that, you probably cut that all out. I'm <laughs> oh, sure. <God. laughs> oh, <no. laughs> To tell everybody, I did not talk about his mother. I did not have the. <laughs> he did not have to edit this out. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have to advocate for it. He didn't have to advocate nothing. <laughs> he, 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 he's, he's down to the core. But he's not JD JDK core. But <laughs> JKD. <laughs> This is priceless, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want in the future, and I've got some other things going on, and uh, maybe we can do this again. I'd love to have you back on, man. This was amazing. Cool, cool. 
Yeah, I'll definitely promote you on, on all my channels, too. So they get people up on uh, who you are and that uh, we did this interview. So, yeah, I'll absolutely spread your name around. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll ever, so I'll, I'll, I'll say my things first and I'll let you say yours. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 78 A Cyber Time Bite. You can follow me on Twitter at Nostalgia Vamp. You can follow me on um, on Facebook at CyberTimeBite. You can get my merchandise at Redbubble.com under Crash Even Gear, where even you know that the Spork is the most powerful of them all by getting my Spork shirt with the Spork <laughs> on it. And you can get my other shirt that I just recently made that has more of a has a more investing message on it that says that says Great Minds Think Alone, and when you walk alone, you have the strongest direction. I, I, I highly consider you getting both of those shirts. It's definitely the second one I made. So uh, make sure to make sure to pick those up. And uh, how about you? Uh, mine is uh, Ming at corejkd.com. You can definitely check me out on YouTube. I have a huge channel there at youtube.com slash corejkd, as well as uh, facebook.com slash corejkd. I've got a huge presence out there. A lot of people who want to interact with me and certainly ask questions. You contact me also through uh, corejkd.com and I will answer questions. I will actually answer emails. And if you have something, a question that you may want to have a video presented about, I will actually uh, look at creating a video so that um, people who also have that question uh, might get it answered. Uh, but they were just too afraid to ask. Uh, but those are the main channels. Uh, be looking for Eric E. Kane. I also have Ming Effects. So it's actually youtube.com slash Ming Effect. And there I'm starting up a channel about the video production end because that used to be my day job. I used to do video and special effects production. Uh, so that you'll see some of the quality work there. But that also bleeds over into the core JKD work. And my novels will be coming out. Uh, hopefully in this month I'll start spitting them out and uh, you'll find those on the channels through uh, Facebook as well as Core JKD on YouTube so um, do you, that's do you, that do you, think you'll, do you think you'll implement uh, sport training into your training now? <laughs> because that's a, that's a lot of power that's a lot of power I could man, I seriously could <laughs> I could do sport training yep, yep. there's that's no doubt because <laughs> that, that's a lot of power. If someone holds a, holds a sport, that's a lot of power they're welding. <laughs> it's sometimes it's sometimes it's too much power to wield in in one person's hand. Uh, yeah, it's it should be outlawed actually. But uh, and I may be outlawed actually putting that up. You know, probably say no, no, no. Yeah, this is denied. Spork is like military grade, and we can't put that up. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I support it. <laughs> get sporked right here. <laughs> core, J, core JKD, get sporked right here. That's right. We don't do knives. We don't do this. We get sporked. Advanced, advanced spork training against resisting attacker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, on that note, <laughs> yep. thank you for everyone for listening, and I hope all of you 
Have a great day. Have a nice one. <laughs>